0: Good morning. You know, as we sing that that song, sometimes, sometimes I wonder if instead of Christ and what He's done being the very air that we breathe, if we prefer sometimes, or if we try to just make Him a glade air freshener that's a terrible analogy. It's just the one that popped in my head as I was walking up and singing that. But I thought, you are the very heir. But why so often are we trying to use him as a glade plug-in because we hope that his glory and, and everything that he is will just kind of cover up the stench that is our Life. Does that that make sense? Like I said, it's an awful analogy, and I'll apologize from the beginning, but it just, to me, it makes sense. Is that far too often I'm trying to call upon God to just cover up this stink that I've made? When in reality, I ought to be inhaling everything that He is because He is the only existence. He's the only reason for life. He's the only uh, opportunity. He is the only thing that I have to give me life. That's the air that I breathe. And that same God gave us these ancient words that we'll be looking at this morning. It's a big deal what we're doing here this morning. It's a big deal to come and to get to open God's word, to hear the very words of God with fellow believers, to ask the Spirit of God to speak to us, to work in us, and then to apply that as we leave here. It's a big deal what we're doing. Let's turn to 1 John. You know, I told you a couple of weeks ago that I appreciated John and I appreciated how he wrote, especially this, this epistle, because I felt like he, he really he tells us what he's going to tell us, and then he tells us, and then, and then so often he tells us what he told us, right? And so I, as we start today, the first few verses, John really is kind of finishing up his thought from the passage that we studied last week. He's really about to tell us what he told us a little bit, and then he's going to, it's almost like in telling us what he told us, it's like it gives him this new, oh yeah, and by the way, let me come off over here. And so that's where we'll be today. But let's look starting in verse 3 of chapter 2. By this we know we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Now remember last week, we talked about the, the walking in the light and the darkness. And if you claim to be walking in the light, but yet you're not, then you're a liar. And not only are you a liar, but remember we said that you're actually even calling God a liar if you claim for those things to be true. Understand, we talked a little bit about what the light is. We know that the light is, is Christ. The light is the Messiah. But even on a bigger scope than that, and another, um, another way that the readers at this time would have, would have acknowledged what John was saying was that the light? I mean, that's also an analogy there of it's, it's an enlightening. It's a knowing. It's a being enlightened and having a vision and being able to, to see the words that have been taught, the words of Christ, the message of Christ, the life of Christ, all of those things. So this walking in the light is, is, is a, an idea and of not just following him and being in him, but also of having that knowledge of him that knowing of Him. And so that's what John uses here in verse 3. By this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. Now, Before we keep going, let's camp here for just a minute. So oftentimes we talk about believing in Him, but here John's very clear, and he, said, he uses the word what? No. If I tell you that I believe it's cold outside... Versus someone saying, I know it's cold outside. Which one are you going to tend to gravitate toward? Which do you have more confidence in? That one that says they believe something or the one that says they know something? There's just a difference. There's a reason that John uses this word. And it's not, we are called believers because we do believe. But I think that the connotation of that word sometimes gets lost. And some of the translation and how we use it because we use it in so many different ways that sometimes we use believe in a way of it gives us a little bit of an out, doesn't it? I, I, I believe that I believe so. You say that? Especially if you did a little inflection right there. You know my, my team at work, they give me a hard time because if I'm not exactly sure of an answer, I'll just add ish to the end. You know, if it's a number, you know, it's like nine hundred ish. So then you're okay, right? I can't be wrong at that point if it comes back a little bit. So they, I use ish often. I'll use it in emails. It, and it gives you the little red squiggly line or whatever under it. I just ignore that part. But, but I, so I think it's important to hear what John's saying here twice. He says in verse 3, By this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments that knowing means it's a different type of relationship. It is an intimate, you know, you have satisfaction in, you have assurance, you have absolute confidence in your knowledge of Him, in your intimacy with Him, in your relationship with Him, if you keep my commandments. So he's kind of finishing up where he he was with us last week, verse 4. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. The truth is not in him. And if the truth is not in him, we know the truth to be what? It's very clear. I mean, Christ could not have been more clear than when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But whoever, in verse 5, but whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God has truly been perfected by this. We know that we are in him. Look in, in John's gospel. Keep your finger here, but I want to look over at what John's gospel says, a little bit about, about this and about knowing him and about what it means. Turn to uh, John chapter 8 and his gospel of John. We're going to look in verse 28. So Jesus said, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he. And I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Then in verse, verse 30, as he spoke these things, many came to believe in him. Now look what Christ does here in response in verse 31. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Now, who's he speaking to? He's not speaking to just anybody and everybody at this point. He's speaking to those that came and said, we believe you. Again, you see the difference here in believing and knowing. Christ took the believers and he said, you you say that you believe me When you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Follow my commands, then we will know that you know the truth and you are truly disciples of mine. I think John's very clear here that it's important that we know him, that we know his truth, that we know the words of life, the message of life, the message of Christ. So much deeper, so much more intimate than believing him, don't miss out because we just believe in who God is, and you never know who he is. then he, he says something intriguing to me well let's go back to first John. John uses a word here that it, it's it's interesting that that we would have some. Part to play in this, and he in verse five he says, But whoever keeps his word, meaning the the word of life, these ancient words, these commandments that we're talking about, but whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God, meaning in that person, in that person who keeps those commands in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. what in the world, what role can I possibly play? in perfecting the love of God. Does that is it just me or that stresses me out a little bit that I actually have some role in this in perfecting the love of God. Again, I'm going to use a terrible analogy because it's the only way my mind works, but I think about there is electricity running to this property, to this building proper. Correct? Now, he, he looked up at the lights just to make sure. He's like, yes, yes, there is. No. So, but the power, the power is coming from somewhere else, correct? That power could come here. If we turn the light switch off, is there still electricity here? Yes, there is still power coming too, but are we getting the benefit of that? Do we have The lights are off, right? But when we turn that light switch on, the circuit then closes. Isn't that right, science? It closes. Is that anybody electricians? Nobody? Well, if y'all don't know either, then we're good. So, so the circuit then closes, and when that circuit closes, then we have the benefit of the electricity and the lights are shown, and so therefore the electricity then is the power is perfected because the circuit has been closed. Make sense? So when we know Him, when we move beyond belief, we move beyond belief in Him to abiding in His Word, knowing His Word, obeying His commands, knowing Him, then that circuit is closed. And not only is His love there and the power there, but it's perfected in us because it's shown through us. Because now there's evidence of that love. If we completely, if we left those light switches off the entire time, or if we turned the breaker off outside, there would be power running to our building, but there would be no evidence of the electricity. There would be no evidence of the power, even though it's right there, until we had perfected that. Turn the breaker on, and close that circuit. That's how it is. God's love is there. Everything that he's done to make salvation real to us is there and available until we perfect that. Complete it. Would probably be, maybe even be a better word there. Complete that circuit. It's completed in us by us moving beyond belief and into a state of knowing. His next Passage is kind of like, then he, he finishes up where he was at, and he says, the one who says he abides in him and ought himself to walk in the same manner then as he walked. Again, he's reiterating the fact that if you say this, if you say that you are a believer, if you say that you know him, you ought to act in a way as he did, walk in the same manner. Then he kind of switches over. It's almost like this thought comes to John, and he says, Beloved, I'm not writing a new commandment to you. Have you ever been there? When uh, maybe you're talking to your kids, and you're telling them something, and you say, This is not new information. I've told you this numerous times. Why are we acting as if you've never heard this before? I mean, I see it with my kids. I see it with, with my basketball team. We'll be in a huddle, and I'm like, why are we acting like we've never seen this before? We've just we just talked about it, right? I kind of that's that's kind of the vision I have with John here he says, "Beloved, I'm not giving you a new commandment." And then he goes on to say, "I'm not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you've had from the beginning." The old commandment is the word which you have heard. Now let's flip over, keep your finger there, but let's go look a little bit about what John might have been been thinking of when he thought of this old commandment, and it's really in the words of Christ. Turn to Matthew chapter 22. And there's so much that we learn right here from just these words of Christ as to how we should walk. I mean, just, you know, if if we knew nothing else, if we just followed what Christ says right here, how much... How much more could God's love be perfected in us? Just, just right here. Verse 34, But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered themselves together. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to them, Now this is Christ's words, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, With all your mind. Now remember, this is he's quoting from from the Old Testament. Here he's quoted from, from Deuteronomy. He's giving the actual the old commandments that they would have known. They had these memorized. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor, neighbor, not your neighbor. Nobody knows what that is. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Look at that. On these two commandments. All of the law rest. So you think those are important? Yeah. Was this an old commandment? Absolutely. I think that's what John had in mind here when he says, I'm not telling you something new. This is an old commandment that you've had from the very beginning. This is a word that you've known. So what's this old commandment that we've been given? We're to love God and love others. Love God. Love God. And love others. We, well, we really like to make it a lot more complicated than that, though, don't we? Because if we make it a lot more complicated, it's real easy for us to kind of start bowing out, isn't it? You put me in a uh, college physics class, it's going to be real easy for me to say, you know what, I can't I can't do this homework. Because it's going to be way over my head. Right? does that make sense? And nobody's even going to argue with me. Like, yeah, you are not near smart enough for that. We didn't expect much out of you. So the more complicated we can make his word, the easier it is to excuse ourselves from obeying it. Love God, love others. Christ himself says the whole law Rest on these two commands. We are without excuse. And I think that's what John's saying here when he says, I'm not telling you something new. The whole law, the old law, the old commandments that you know, you've known them as from, from when you were a child. Christ reiterated them when he came. They're the same. So then, But then he goes on in verse 8. He says, on the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Well, what in the world? He just told us it was old and now he's telling us it was new. What does he mean? Well, let's look over back again in his gospel. Turn to John 15. John chapter 15, let's begin in verse 9. Again, these are the words of Christ that John recorded. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made in full. This is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Now, what did Christ tell them to do to love one another? Was that an an old commandment or a new commandment? That's old, right? Remember, we were told to love, love our neighbor. But then what did he say at the end of that verse 12? This is my commandment that you love one another, old, but then look what he added, just as I have loved you new. The old was, love your neighbor. Now Christ is adding, now that he's come, just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Look at the combination of the old and now the new. So I think as John was writing to them and when he said, this is not new. These things are not new. It's the old command i think even probably as john was was writing this i think the holy spirit brought this to mind to john remember when christ said this remember this is old but look how it's also been made new it's the old made new again because the old is now transformed from stone tablets into a walking living person is the love the old commandment He told us to love. The new commandment, He showed us love. So yes, it's old, and yes, we should follow that, and yes, we've known it from the very beginning, but it's also new. It's new in three ways. It's new in emphasis, it's new in example, and it's new in experience. The emphasis here on love, not just as a command or a rule to follow, but the emphasis on an example to live. The emphasis on whom we should love, how we should love, when we should love. It's new in, it's new in example, Because never before had God taken on flesh, taken on the form of mankind, and actually shown love in that way. We have an example to live by and to see and to read and to to live by. It's also new in experience. Because Christ called us his friend. This would have meant something to these people because what what do we know that God called Abraham? They would have known this from their their studying of of the Old Testament. God called Abraham his friend. Well, that's a very foreign concept, and that was something that was reserved for these people. That was something that was just... That was reserved for Abraham. Abraham, our, our father... Father Abraham, remember that? Had many sons. So they knew... that They didn't sing that song, Rita. So they would have known that. They would have known that, that Abraham is the friend of God, and now Christ said, you are my friend. John was reminding them of that. This is a new experience. This love, this example that I'm showing you this this example of love that's been commanded of us is not something that's only been reserved that Abraham can experience, but you are a friend of God. And if you haven't experienced that, then you're walking in darkness. If you aren't emphasizing this love of God and love of others, you're walking in darkness. If you don't know the example, then you're walking in darkness. Then in verse 9, he says, The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness. Look what he says, until now. Why the until now? The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. Well, it means several different things here. One, this entire time that he's been doing that, he's been in darkness, but he's also saying, you are now without excuse. You've been told now the truth. You've been shown the light. So are you going to continue to walk and stumble down the path in darkness, or will you move over and cross over from a simply believing in a belief and step over into darkness? knowing the truth. Verse 10. The one who loves his brother abides in the light. There's no cause for stumbling. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Has anyone ever been in a cave? You have to I can remember we were on a family vacation once, and you know, my dad wasn't big on family vacations. We didn't do like Disney World and you know a week like Saturday, Sunday, that was vacation. You know. But one time I I forget, I don't even know which cave it was. I wasn't really into the going into the cave. But they thought it would be a great experience. Okay. So we go and And this was like, I I wish I could remember the cave it was, but you'd go in, and and everybody walks in, and then there's a point where they say, okay, now at this point, if you would like to explore further, we're going to take a smaller group of you, and we can go over down this path. So my sister is with us, too. I think I'm 13 or 14, so she's five years younger than I am, so that's about our ages. So apparently we all decided, yeah, we'll do that. So we go, and we are, like, getting to this point where we have to, like, crawl. Like, what is this? this is not what I signed up for. And there's bats everywhere, and you know what bats have and what they do in caves, and it's everywhere. And it's just, it's vacation. And so so we're crawling through, and then when you get to this room, and they say, okay, and there were some lights, you know, they put in. And then, and any of you have been in a cave, I think this is probably pretty, pretty typical of those cave tours. They get to a point where they turn the lights out. Yeah, I'm done at that point. Okay, I wasn't scared, Tommy. But I didn't love it because you do not have any control at that point. You can think that you do, but when it's complete darkness, and I mean complete darkness, where you have no idea, there is no way you are in control. You are completely, you have no idea of what's coming at you. You cannot react. You cannot do anything at that point. The only thing you can and will do if you tried to move forward is to stumble and feel and fall your way through. That's the only option you have. So when when John talks about the lightness and the darkness, remember his readers here there were not street lights everywhere there were not you know there was not electricity in in every part where we have to drive hundreds of miles to get out of town to get to a point that's almost a little bit dark right but even there there are street lamps and there are things that illuminate the different paths that would not have been the case they would have had torches and such in some of the main thoroughfares that would have been lit at night but it would have not been much for them to have been completely in the dark. A cloudy night meant pitch black in the evening, which would have meant no traveling. It would have meant everything comes to a halt because you cannot do anything in the darkness without stumbling and falling. Sometimes that's who we are, isn't it? We're trying to run full speed ahead, but we're stumbling and falling and tripping and stepping in holes because we're trying to walk or run in darkness. Remember, we talked about what this life, this Christian life being, a. when we talk about a walk, it's not just a leisurely stroll, but it's actually a a method of transportation. We're trying to get from one place to another. And if that's our goal, if our goal really is to get from one place to another, to get from where we are, to get to where we know him more, we cannot do that. You cannot adequately move forward in the dark. It is impossible to efficiently move forward in the dark. Yet we try to do it over and over and over. The one who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. Which then the opposite of that is true. The one who hates his brother is in the darkness, walks in the darkness, and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I think it's interesting here that how he closes and how he He kind of tells his readers here in this this little section, this almost little side note about this old commandment, new commandment, is a love for your brother. You know, we saw that earlier when he starts with a love for one another. Your love for your brother. You can't love your brother and be walking in darkness. Much of which, and we're going to see this here in a, in a few weeks, because God is what? God is love. So you can't love your neighbor and not and not be without him. If you are truly loving your brother, if you are truly loving your neighbor, then guess what? You're loving God. The love of God is in you, and then you are displaying it. But you know what? There's often times where we think that we're loving. We think that we're loving others, when in reality all we're doing is just being accommodating or being not rude. Let's read and know what love is, and we'll study that as we go further. We're going to learn more about that. But we see it in God's example in the emphasis, in the example, and in the experience that he gave us. Do you love God? Do you love your neighbor? Or are we walking in darkness, stumbling our way through, wondering why all of these different Avenues and aspects of life continue to trip us up, yet we've not perfected His love. We've not completed His love in us. Let's pray. Father, it's an amazing thing to me that You allow us to be in the circuitry of displaying and of showing your love to this world. Father, thank you that thank you that your son gave us the example that Father not only in his words but in his actions yeah. we see the type of love the depth of love, the acts of love that, Lord, you expect even from us. And, Lord, it's even even more mind-blowing for me, and and, and it would have been for the readers of of this letter, that you compare me to Abraham, because you call me just as you did Abraham you call me your friend father help me to love you back as a friend loves a friend help me to love my neighbor just as you have loved me Jesus friend of sinners morning as we, as we close this time in just another, another song of worship, I would encourage you to evaluate this command that we've been given. To evaluate the old command that he has now transformed into a new command because it's gone from the stone tablets to the very man of Christ. Do you believe in him or do you know